I came across this um, military memorabilia store, tiny little store, and looking around, I found these uh, figures of German soldiers, some of which were made in the you know late 30s, and one of them was a figure of Hitler, which I had always assumed these things were you know forbidden in Austria. This surprising discovery in the back room of an Austrian military memorabilia store was the genesis of David Leventhal's series Mein Kampf. Apparently, somebody had um, recovered the old molds and was making castings and painting them by hand in, you can't make this stuff up, in the Black Forest. The title of this series is appropriated from Hitler's infamous memoir and manifesto, Mein Kampf, which translates as My Struggle. And the image and persona of Hitler haunt these images and lurk in their shadows. Even where he's not seen, his evil and mythic presence can be felt. At the same time, the photographs reflect Leventhal's own struggle to make sense of the murder of six million European Jews from his parents' and grandparents' generations. Born in the late 1940s, Leventhal was of a generation of Jewish Americans that experienced the Holocaust indirectly, through books, films, photographs, and even through toys. His memories, so to speak, were mainly shaped by images he received from popular culture. As much as the Holocaust has been depicted, it's also very few narratives about the Holocaust that have been depicted over time. This is June Huang, associate professor of German and affiliate faculty in film studies and Jewish studies at the University of Rochester. We have this notion that there are you know, thousands and thousands of images, and there actually are, but the ones that we see in history books and in fictional films and in documentaries tend to be a very small group of images. So I think there are certain ideas that we have and certain expectations that we have about suffering about humanity and the works that are more interesting like Leventhal's are the ones that ask us to question these expectations that we have. Leventhal's series is in direct conversation with other visual imagery of the Holocaust. It's interrogating both the power and the limits of representation. One of the ways it does this, you may notice, is in its bold color palette. Whether it's in archival photographs or in major films like Schindler's List, which came out the year before Leventhal's series, we're most used to engaging with this era of history in black and white. But Leventhal uses deep and vibrant hues. We do associate fiction films with this kind of richness of color, and I think he is playing with that. They're colors and saturation levels that we associate with a cinematic reality rather than a documentary reality. The Mein Kampf photographs present the history of the Holocaust in a way that we're really not used to seeing it. Even though the subject is so familiar from existing material, Leventhal's presentation can be surprising and intentionally quite unsettling. And intentionally is key here. Leventhal is deliberate in all aspects of his work. Here's exhibition curator Lisa Hostetler. The materials he uses, he uses for not just for the sake of them, but because they sort of add substance to the conceptual goal. When he began to conceptualize his series Mein Kampf, Leventhal started how he does for many of his series, by doing research, reading books, watching films, and traveling. 
I took the train to Auschwitz and Birkenau and actually spent the night at the this study center that was right outside the walls of Auschwitz. A friend of Leventhal's, who was a Holocaust scholar, had put him in touch with the study center for him to do research. And to hear Leventhal talk about the time he spent there gives you a sense of what went into making this series. You know, I woke up in the morning and went to visit Auschwitz, which was really almost more of a museum. I mean, it was set up to be looked at almost as a series of different exhibits. Birkenau was exactly the opposite. There was nothing, nothing had been done. It was exactly the way it had been. The actual buildings that the prisoners lived in were in various states of disrepair. And while there were a lot of people at Auschwitz, you know, viewing it, there were lots of tour buses, there was almost no one at Birkenau. And I remember walking up to the top of the tower that the trains went under, and it was probably about four stories up, maybe more, maybe five. But when you look down, the few people that were there, you looked at them, and the distance almost dehumanized them. You know, they were small enough that you didn't really see them, in a sense. And I wandered around there for a number of hours, uh, making some sketches, getting some ideas. And it was so amazing to me, you know, there I was walking on the train tracks and the gravel that was there when it was a death camp. It was a very emotional um, experience for me. 